0: The Batteries Included podcast is brought to you with United Chargers. United Chargers presents the Grizzly range of EV chargers. There's the original Grizzly Classic, a powerful, heavy-duty, portable EV charging station built to withstand the toughest conditions. The Grizzly Duo, a dual-port unit designed to charge two vehicles at the same time. The Grizzly Mini, a small, portable charging station built with an indoor-outdoor-rated cast-aluminium enclosure. And the Grizzly Smart, a revolutionary smart EV charger. All Grizzly Chargers come with a convenient 24-foot cable and the ability to adjust the current from 16 amps all the way up to 40 amps. That's 9.6 kilowatts, plus they're IP67 rated. Built in Canada with the highest quality materials, order yours now at unitedchargers.com. That's unitedchargers.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Batteries Included podcast. It's December the 15th, 2023, and this is episode number 15. Thank you very much for joining us. On today's show, we'll be talking about the Porsche Macan EV technical reveal, Tesla Autopilot causing a 2 million vehicle digital recall, Cadillac next SUV, the Vistic has been announced, and of course, much, much more. I'm Dominic Yoni, host of the YouTube channel, Drive Electric with Dominic. Joining us today is the bounteous, uh, Mr. Tom Logdi, senior editor at Inside EVs and host of the YouTube channel, State of Charge. Now, unfortunately, neither Martin nor Kyle could make it could join us this morning, but we are very pleased to be joined by John Volker, who is basically EV reporting royalty. So, after three decades, after almost three decades of writing, publishing, and managing media businesses, he became editor in chiefs of uh, editor editor in chief of green car reports where he stayed for over nine years and I, I feel like i've seen this byline on like any number of publications but for the past few years at least i know he's been officially a contributing editor for car and driver so thanks for coming on hanging out with us for a bit this morning especially seeing that you're on the west coast and it's really early early there uh see tom uh john i believe you know tom already oh yeah you you guys have met and of course we've met a, a few times. Uh, on programs and it was it's always great to get on program and see John there. Cause you know, you know, in the traditional media, sometimes you, not everyone's quite up to speed with the electric vehicle scene. So it is always good to have, you know, see John's face there and know that he's going to, he's going to hold actually the, uh, the, the people giving the presentations things accountable for, for any little is very good with details. Anyway, uh, Uh, Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Let let me interject a little bit, uh, Dom, uh, about uh, John. You know, um, a lot of people, I I see a lot of people refer to me. Sometimes they say, oh, Tom's like an OG with electric vehicles, whatever. John's really an OG. He was covering the scene before I was. I started driving EVs, really not covering it. Um, And uh, John was one of the first people that I kind of gravitated towards because... What he had been writing, and now I'm talking 2008, 2009, 2010, you know, 15 years ago almost. John was right out there talking about electric vehicles. Then I started dabbling with writing and blogging and so forth, and somehow John and I hooked up, and he asked me to write you know, some it was the Mini
0: E, wasn't it? Yeah, the Mini. We were on that drive together.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. You have better memory than I do. And uh, we got to know each other, and then he asked me if I'd like to do some guest posts for uh, Green Car Reports. Oh, right. As Tom said, he was managing editor, editor in chief at the time. So I wrote some articles, and they were pretty rough because I, you know, I, I'd never written anything in my life. And um, what I loved about John was whenever I submitted articles to him, he would take them and polish them up. And you know, he, I mean, you know, he would take a turd and, you know, make it look like, you know, the golden egg. And, uh, I looked so good. Like I would read the article and I'd be like, I'm a good writer.
0: <laughs> I was like, Purposed red
2: pencils uh, in the business. That was not my words. If you go read back. So, I mean, he took the the body of what I wrote, but he just made everything flow and, you know, used uh, you know, proper grammar and everything. I learned <laughs> so much from John, and yeah. And, and, uh, you know, he's really more so than any of the other journalists I learned from. And one of the things I really learned about from John, that and, and I've said this before on other podcasts, was how integrity. And if John writes something, you can guarantee it's truthful, that he's researched it, that he has sources Uh, and there's that's going away with journalism it's unfortunate with so many people you read things you see people on youtube saying things that they're just guessing and they talk about it like it's fact and then other people that write things that they kind of think it's true well you know i remember there was a story years ago that i had some inside information about bmw i knew it was true i didn't want to really talk about it but i talked to john about it a little bit and gave him a little crumb and he wouldn't run with it unless he can get a second confirmation and even though he knew me, and I think he knew me to be truthful, mm-hmm. he wouldn't write it unless he had a second person. And there was really almost I, I forget exactly what it was, but there was no one else that could confirm it because I was firsthand and I was there or whatever. But um, and and that taught me a lesson on integrity with, with uh, journalism. And unfortunately, a lot of that's going away these days. But if 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 you if you read something that John wrote, uh, you can take it to the bank. And uh, that's one of the things that I. Totally respect about this guy. You're you
0: both very kind. I'm slightly embarrassed here. You can see the redness. Um, <laughs> moving uh, on. Thank you very much.
1: It's okay. Uh, so before we get too deep into this, I should ask John, what are you driving nowadays, by the way? I know you're a fan of classic Morris and other British yeah. cars, but I suspect you're probably not a Jaguar eyepiece owner. Um
0: I actually so the Jaguar iPace is one of my favorite EVs to drive okay that's a separate question from whether I would ever actually own one right um I love borrowing one. let's put it that way right um no at the moment I'm still driving so I live outside Woodstock New York um right. part of the time and I'm still driving the official car of Woodstock New York which is a 2000 Subaru Outback it is now properly broken in with 150,000 miles and um we will probably drive it until something really expensive breaks and then replace it with an ev um, okay. i get asked a lot so what ev do you drive and the answer right. is usually well all of them but right. for a week at a time so um, i guess
1: you're going to have an EV9 soon, Kia EV9 too soon. So yeah, speaking out. actually.
0: I was, I was lucky enough to be able to drive the EV9 earlier this year on the Hyundai Proving Grounds. Oh,
2: nice. um,
0: But this is actually, I get to do it on my usual road circuit, interstates, mountain roads, the whole bit. And, nice, um, yeah. From what I've seen so far, it's a very impressive vehicle. Um, I have always been a fan of Hyundai-Kia's approach to EVs. Clearly, it is a very aggressive company. It's what it, it said that Toyota is not scared of GM. Toyota is not scared of Volkswagen Group.
2: No. Toyota no.
0: is scared of Hyundai, Kia. If you look at how fast they've grown, mm-hmm. how good their cars get and how much they improve in every generation and they're being aggressive in EVs and bringing them into every segment. So I'm looking forward to having the EV not for three days. <laughs> the EV9, and taking it on my usual routes.
1: Right. Someone was saying in the comments earlier this morning, uh, just before we started, that the uh, it's already in showrooms. And uh, so I, I guess people can go out there and maybe get their own test drives right now. That's a super exciting vehicle for me. Actually, I'm thinking about, I've, I also heard that the Chevy Blazer EV is also in some stores. So I think... After the store, after the show, I might just take a a run down our dealership row here. Like most towns that have all the dealerships on one street, (laughs) we have that kind of situation here. I'm in Tallahassee, Florida. And uh, yeah, so I'm kind of thinking maybe I should do a little audit of the stores.
0: The Blazer EV is fascinating to me because Mm. obviously GM has been struggling through a year of extremely painful attempts to get its Ultium battery production up and running my understanding and correct me if you guys have different information because GM is a closed book at this point they don't want to talk about any of this right um my understanding is that the cell factory in Ohio is now cranking out acceptable volumes of usable cells their problem was the module stuffers and I was told by one source I have not been able to confirm it so take this in that light, but I was told by one source on the inside that they hired one of their usual tier one suppliers to build module stuffers, which they had never actually built before oh. and battery components, assemblies, and the rest of it are very specialized. And apparently this company just could not build the machines to the levels of precision, volume, etc. And they have been, for most of the year, stuffing battery modules by hand, which Ooh. is insane. Yeah. And so I I have a local dealer who actually has sold a lot of EVs, highest EV sales in the region, whatever their region is. And they were going to get their Blazer EV no, the first week of November. And I keep talking to the guy and he's like, well, it's still on indefinite hold. So if you get into one, I want to know.
1: Okay. I mean, I think our, so our local Facebook sustainability uh, EV uh, group mm-hmm. that we have here in Tallahassee, someone posted that they saw one at the dealership here yes, yesterday, the day before. So I mm-hmm. I think, but, just, you know, so it could be a mistake, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to go in and double check. Go confirm
2: it, Don. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what about you? Do you have them in Jersey, Tom? Not yet. I no. haven't seen anything yet. Um, I, I, although I haven't been trolling the Chevy dealerships, but nobody's, said anything to me about it yet and i'll probably hear about it pretty quickly once they're available i'm pretty you know i know i know a lot of people i even know a lot of people that work at the dealerships around here i've trained a lot of them when i did the plug share so um uh but uh, it's it's worth a phone call I, I i could actually give one of the guys i know a call and say hey do you know of any dealers that have me he could look it up online and tell me if there's any in uh, an inventory around here so i, I definitely want to check it out when, sure. when it's uh when it's here I'm going to be very curious to see GM's Q4 sales
0: number because obviously Q3 was a disaster in Ultium sales. They sold a ton of bolts, which of course is now out of production. But uh, uh, so, Nebula, your commenter Nebula, I'm reading right here on your own yeah. screen in, in Michigan, they have six of them.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, Nebel is a long-time viewer, and he's got—I don't know if he's got an inside track at GM, but he's really up up to speed on whatever it is that GM is doing <laughs> at yeah. all the time. Well, and Michigan's
0: not a carb state, so, but it is the home to the company. So right. Yeah, I'm going to be very—I'm going to be very curious to see. I have not driven one yet, so. Uh,
1: yeah, neither neither. Have I. I haven't been on a program for a little while, actually, just because yeah. I've been independent. I'm independent now, so I don't get down any uh, report or you know the programs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh but and anyway, I've
2: been turning down most of the first drives lately. I've just been focusing on charging stuff and yeah. uh and uh you know, I I will take one if one really um piques my interest, but um uh, for the most part I haven't been doing a lot of first drives lately.
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to talking about the Porsche Macan but EV. But first Tom, I understand you put, had the uh, Emporia EV charger and uh with the North American charging standard, or the NAX connector, and you put it through your torture testing there. So I just thought I'd check in with you. How did that go?
2: So, yeah, I did. Um, I just posted, I think it was yesterday, the uh, review of the new uh, Emporia uh, EVSC, the 48-amp charger with the NAX uh, connector. Now now that most of the all, the whole industry is going to you know, um, transition, A couple, there's been a couple holdouts. The Volkswagen Group hasn't announced it yet, but we all know they're going to. Uh, the charging com- companies that make charging equipment are, are going to transition and start selling uh, equipment. So, Emporia, which is was my top rated uh, non-Tesla charger for 2023, high-powered charger, they just um, well they didn't put it out yet. It's going to be out in a couple of months. You can see the box even has a picture of a J1772 on it. That's okay. because they don't they 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 sent me an early copy of it. I mean, it's the production version. It's been UL certified and everything. The one that I have, but they don't they haven't scaled up production yet so they're going to start selling them like in february i think but they sent me one uh because they uh you know wanted me to get it out that it's it's there and i did the full review of it that's up on state of charge uh it did in a nutshell very well like the original one did but one of the things that i really criticized them well two things i criticized them on the first one the cold weather the cable didn't do so well in cold weather but their connector holster is perhaps the worst connector holster on the market of of chargers uh they they've because of my review they're they're going to um, redesign or they're redesigning it and uh in the interim they're going to start selling or giving you a remote connector holster that you just screw to the wall and you plug it in and and you plug the uh the connector into that uh and the cable the cable and the connector that they're using I don't have any guaranteed proof of this but i am 99 certain it is sourced from tesla's supplier oh really uh, it's not like a knockoff yeah i've i really have closely examined the two next to each other and i'm 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 nearly positive that the supplier that they got this from is a supplier one of Tesla's suppliers i'm sure tesla has multiple suppliers for their the connectors and the cables so cable um did very well in the cable deep freeze test it's a nice thin cable uh, but it's all you all certified so it's about as thin as you can get and still uh pass um certification there i am talking about the connector holster but um overall it did yeah volex leonard just um uh, uh posted that's the name of the uh the supplier just did my full review opened it up showed everybody everything and uh scored very well uh and uh i'm gonna this is this is gonna be a, a, added to my list of recommended units just as the uh J 1772 version of the, uh, the Emporia charger is it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very good high quality unit. And what, what makes me keep pushing Emporia and putting it at the top of my, my list is the price. Uh, it's, it's $399 and it competes with units that are $699. It's, It's not a $50 difference. You know, it's, it, it does nearly everything that the high, high end units can at half the price. So how, how does it not end up at the top of my recommendation list?
1: Right. Plus it's UL certified. You're a stickler for all that certification and safety, yeah. you know?
2: Yeah. So everything's, it's all, it's all safety certified. NEMA four enclosure, long cable, uh, very good build quality. You know, uh, everything about it, it takes it all the past the extreme heat test, the deep freeze test, it passed everything. That's my new uh, extreme heat test. I baked the units at 120 degrees for two hours. And then I turn them mm-hmm. on, let them run for two hours while the heat lamp continues to bake them. And uh, they get mm-hmm. up to like 150, 160 degrees, the, the case themselves. And I want to see if it's going to derate or, or or shut off. And, uh, you know, we um, that's a new test that I started. And uh, I think it's a worthwhile test because a lot of people live in very hot areas where the charger has to be outside. And Uh, they get that hot. They get 130, 140 degrees on the surface if you have your your equipment mounted outside in Arizona in the summer. Hey, question, Tom.
0: What do you do in terms of water permeability or or waterproofing testing? Because as you know, because you've provided both of my EV chargers for my house, thank you, I have mounted my newest one on the outside just because I end up parking test cars in the drive all the time, I and I didn't want to have to run them into the garage. So um, I've never had any trouble. But do you formally test? I don't know, hose them out, hose them down for ten minutes or something.
2: So here's the thing: w- uh, when the units were NEMA four rated, which is um, pretty much water tight. The NEMA 3 units uh, uh, aren't watertight, so I wouldn't really want to do a a water intrusion test on those. But the NEMA 4 units, I actually used to hose them off with a hose. But uh, quite honestly, it was kind of like a futile thing because they all were watertight. No matter what I did, I couldn't get any water in them. And so what I do now is I don't do that. I open them up and I look at the... uh, how well the 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 um gasket is and how it's seated into the unit and if it does like um sort of like uh like this where, where where it the the metal or the plastic really seals it tightly with with rubber i report on that but the portable units john those to me almost are a little bit more important for me to test with the weatherproof running because people leave them laying on the ground you yeah. know little portable units so those if they are IP67 rated, uh, which is which IP67 rating is like a NEMA 5 or NEMA 6. That means they should be allowed to be submerged in up to a meter of water for 30 minutes. I do that. I put them in a bucket um, for 30 minutes and I submerge them and then I take them out. And I've had a lot of failures. I've had units that are IP67 rated, uh, particularly some of the low cost units that come from from, uh, Asia. Uh, I don't know how they get IP67 rating because they're not watertight at all. Um, And, you know, that's one of the things I talk about a lot in my reviews. And I basically tell people, please don't just go to Amazon and click on, you know, uh, charger and then filter them by lowest price because they're junk. And, um, you know, you spend a few more dollars and get a unit that's going to last many years and you'll be a lot safer.
0: Great information. Thank you. It's. I would suggest that perhaps some of them are claiming a rating that they have not been tested or certified for. But, yeah,
2: how dare you make that claim? Yeah, damn. (laughs) I've John, I have it so bad where you go to some uh, Amazon charger, some of the the new companies, the companies you never heard of, and they have like UL stamped all over the, the 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 ad, right? But. If you really drill down, they're not saying the unit is UL certified. Mm. They said the cable that we used on the on on the unit is UL certified. <laughs> That's nice. But, but they stamp that UL everywhere. And people don't really real, realize it. I did a, a a a shock flow charger recently, and um, they have everything says safety, 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 safety certified, safety certified. But they don't mention any governing body that safety certified it. Uh, you know, and then they have like a, an FCC stamp on it. Like in a lot of people look at that. Oh, that's, you know, safety certified. That's not safety certification. FCC. Yeah. Right, right,
0: right.
2: Yeah. Know, right. Well, that, yes. that, I think, I think FCC, um, certified means like the radiation it emits or something or right, like the right, radio waves, right. you know, like it doesn't. cause a radio interference. Something. Yeah. Radio interference. But People don't realize that, you know, when they see, they go to a site and they see safety certified and they see FCC stamped, like, oh, all well, this thing, you know, they must, they wouldn't be allowed to sell it if it's not safe. <laughs> it's not safe. So, anyway, I'm, I'm surprised we don't have any comments of people complaining when I go over, when I go off on my tangent about safety. People are like, all right, Tom, we've heard this before, move on.
1: <laughs> so, so, Leonard brings up a good point in the comments. So, he bought the J7 1772 version uh, for sale on Amazon for 300 bucks, and his utility had a rebate program $250. So, he ended up only paying around $80, total no brainer for a second charger. So, that's a good point. Like, a lot of you, uh, yeah. towns municipalities will have like some programs, like so. You, it's uh, good to check those things out and take advantage of them if they're in your area.
2: Absolutely, and when I do my reviews, a lot of times I get comments. People complain. They're like, "Tom, why didn't you note that this is available for a, a utility discount or something?" There's like three thousand utilities yeah. in this country. Th- they all have their own rules and stuff. Uh-huh. I can't. I. I, I can't. Um, you know, I, I. I would never be able to compile a list of of that. I mean, it would, it would be a full time job. So unfortunately, I have to put that upon you and say, look. Um, Do your due diligence when you're going to buy a a unit and check out your utility, check out your state rebates. There's, you know, um, there's there's so many different incentives out there, but there's so many of them. I can't I couldn't do that. I could dedicate a whole channel just to reporting on incentives. You know, I'd never be able to get it done. Well, and that's one of my qualifying questions
0: for salespeople at when you're shopping for an electric car for salespeople at those car makers that have franchised independently owned third-party dealerships um always known as our valued partners um you know okay we're here in this town so we have the same utility what programs does our utility have for evs and if they stumble or they're like oh i don't know or call the utility that person does not know what they're talking about. Any EV salesperson at this point, 15 years in, 10 years plus in, should know for their locality what the uh, utility programs are, if there are any.
2: But but John, so few do. You know, I used to, when I did my dealership training, I would bring sheets that listed all the current local things because I I knew they wouldn't do their own research. And I would give it to them, right? Mm -hmm. Say here. Leave this in your top-destra. And then I'd go back as a secret shopper months later or have somebody go. And they'd say, oh, no, I don't know, uh, you know, check your utility. And I gave them the – I'm here, here. If somebody asks you about incentives, just pull this sheet out of your desk and it will it he'll tell you all the incentives. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: The question is probably its own podcast, if
1: not its right.
2: own yeah.
1: channel. Man. Right. Yeah, dealerships I have it tough because they just have a lot of staff turnover as well. So the training is constant. You know, they're constantly having to train yeah. up new and people all the, the time. Pressure and...
2: For mm-hmm. to sell those vehicles fast, and EVs yep. take a little bit longer to sell because yep. there's more questions. I don't really want to beat up the the the, the sales. It's right. a tough job. They don't make a lot of money. No. The, 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 they're you know they're incentivized to sell the other vehicles because they're easier right. for them to sell. So it, it's you know I've worked with a lot of these guys. They're not the devil, but they're just trying to earn a buck but it, they could help themselves out a lot if they put a little bit more effort into being a little better at their craft that's and i think
0: that. all the car makers recognize that now are the ones that are serious about evs but it's a constant struggle
1: right uh, man uh so let's get into this porch uh porch <laughs> porsche uh, macan ev so let me click on this we're missing uh we're missing uh, Martin today, that's for sure. He does. All, he usually does all these button pushing and stuff behind the scenes. Um, so, Kyle has just spent a bunch of time with the folks at Porsche in Germany. But unfortunately, right now, he's on a plane over the Atlantic on his way back. So, he's not here to tell us about it directly. But lucky for us, though, so he put together a long, deep dive video that you can watch on his Out of Spec Reviews channel. So, you can get all the details there. But we're going to talk about some of those a bit now. So uh, Porsche Macan EV is kind of a big deal, I think, for a couple of reasons. It's the first vehicle in the Volkswagen group to use the premium platform electric. That's PPE. It's a high volume vehicle with the gas version selling uh, almost 87,000 units a year, at least last year. And I understand Porsche will keep selling the internal combustion version uh so yeah that's the second largest uh, model selling model that porsche has the cayenne outsells it by maybe around ten thousand units like last year at least but uh they're gonna so porsche is going to keep on selling this for the next few years at least so the macan ev's biggest competitor might be the macan actually <laughs> so uh, so it launches in europe and china early in 2024 and it before coming to the u.s sometime le- later next year and where it Initially, it'll be available in either the four or turbo trims. Um, Those are the bottom and top trims. So there's likely to be another trim or two introduced in between like a like a GTS or something. So it's got uh, Kyle talking here. Let's beat him up to a driving section or something. Um,
0: I, I have always said Kyle may be at this moment the most energetic and highest output person in the EV world. The, the volume he stuff he does is just staggering.
1: He doesn't stop. He's not going really to in that way. energy. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So let's talk batteries. Uh, so this one's got 100 kilowatt hours gross, and that should be good for 310 miles. That's not an official number yet. Uh, so we're still waiting on that. I went through the EPA documents last night, and they, I don't think they've submitted... Uh, their document certification for the EPA to the EPA yet. So that's not available. Um, It weighs 570 kilograms. That's 1,257 pounds. So it's not light. It's not, it doesn't have a super great um, energy density. I think it works out to, uh, I think maybe 170 uh, watt hours per kilogram. I think it worked at the pack level. Uh, It's got, 400 so the pack itself can put out 495 kilowatts uh that would turn into 664 horsepower that's a that's a figure that most companies don't really give us They never really tell us like how many how much power the pack can actually you know put out but here we here we do like on this little chart and this is like peak discharge capacity after 18 seconds at 90% state of charge and 25 degrees Celsius, so it could be putting out even more than this. Uh, but that's really be- kind of beside the point because the motors don't uh, put out that much power. So it, the the uh, the Porsche Macan EV would be limited in power output by the its inverter, not the not the battery, because cool. um, the inverter controls what the motors get and dish out. Uh, So interesting, they call it an 800 volt battery, but it's max voltage is short of that at 765. I believe that's on, is that on this list here? Mm, Yes. Yeah. 765 volts. That's what it it gives us a whole range of voltage here on this little chart, like 180 to 765 volts. I have a feeling that in real regular operation, it would not see 180 volts (laughs) That's super, super low. But, uh, I guess it, it could, if it dropped down there, it can, it can deal with that kind of a low, low voltage. But I think, you know, I don't know if you're familiar, if well, some of you may be familiar with how voltage works on the pack, as you get to a certain point, if it's decreasing and expending energy, it'll, the voltage will just kind of drop off a cliff basically and, and not be not have a useful energy after that. Um, Right, so John, have you
2: ever spent any time with the Macan or the prototype?
0: um, I went to a technical backgrounder. Boy, trying to remember now. Within the last year or so, um, they they did an early backgrounder with releasing a limited subset of this information um, when it became clear that this vehicle was going to be significantly delayed. They had originally intended to have this on the market by now. I mean, end of 2023, it's the first PPE vehicle. It'll be followed by a bunch of Audis. Um, But as I understand it, the challenge with the PPE platform was not particularly the electromechanical stuff, it was the software. Um, Software uh, at the risk of overgeneralizing software has been a particular challenge for German makers and um, Porsche and the team that was uh, across brands that was doing the PPE platform, Porsche, Audi, and then secondarily, I think there were some Bentley people in there too, um, really struggled getting a new generation of software in um, where they could do over the air updates easily, and all the other things that, as we say, a software-defined vehicle would, would be expected to have. Um, I'm curious to see it. The initial response on the styling, now that it's out of camo, has been, I'd say, mixed. Um, the, the adjective blobby seemed to come up rather a lot, <laughs> but, um, you know, I if it drives anything like the Taycan, which remains one of my very favorite EVs. Um, it will be a splendid car to drive. And I am reminded of something I heard. I visited VISOC, boy, pre-pandemic, so 2019, I guess, um, before the Taycan sort of was revealed, but they we knew what the project was going on. And one of their engineers said with a slight smile, we already have electric vehicle prototypes that our most experienced test drivers are finding it hard to tolerate. So think about that. They can build an EV that is so fast and handles so well that somebody, I don't know if they're race drivers, but next next level down is really struggling to endure physically. That sounds promising. <laughs>
2: So much yeah, for these just becoming appliances, John. Oh yeah,
1: right, right. Yeah, we have some we have some footage of uh, from inside the car. Uh, they drove Kyle around the track a few times, around mm-hmm. a, a few laps of the track, and, and uh, yeah, you have. We'll, we'll show you the footage in in a minute. But the driver is like he's just talking and having a conversation, like he's at the office, you know. And, but in the meantime, is the car is like sideways on the track, left, mm-hmm. s- switching directions. Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy stuff. Uh, so it looks like it. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a fun car to drive. So, charging wise, though, it charges from ten to eighty percent in about twenty-two minutes at around twenty-four degrees Celsius, seventy-five degrees Fahrenheit. So, it's slower to eighty percent than Hyundai's eGMP platform cars, but it has a bigger battery. So, that kind of makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Right. Right. So, peak power is said to be two hundred seventy kilowatts, uh, similar to the Taycan, Taycan. Yeah.
2: Uh, And the charging time is similar to the Taycan, too. Right. I think but the Tycon Tay- was twenty-two minutes also to eighty percent.
1: Right. But the Tycon like, also has a lot smaller batteries. So not a lot this, smaller. It's uh, smaller, six, but not, not a lot smaller. I think it's like sixty something. Well there, aren't there two batteries for the Tycon? There are yeah, the, actually. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, the performance Porsche's,
0: battery. Porsche has said pretty consistently they think hundred kilowatt hours is about the right maximum yeah. for what they do for the kind of car Porsche obviously doesn't build Hummer competitors, nor should they, but um, Nobody they should. said we think we're going to max it out at 100 kilowatt hours and we will get more and more range over time as energy density improves. Um, and this follows right down that path with somewhat faster charging um, for a larger, for a pack of the same size and um, greater range.
1: Right. Porsche says the the, uh, the Pack in the Taycan is 79.2 to 93.4 kilowatt hours. So one okay. of them is right up nice one of them sure. is right up there with the, the 100 kilowatt hour, and that's 100 kilowatt hours gross in the in the Macan EV as well. So it could be like the 93. It could very much similar to the the top Taycan spec. Okay. But yeah. they say that they told the uh, Kyle at least that it would the Macan will hold the 270 uh, power. Uh, Char- charging power uh longer than the Taycan will so i guess we'll, we'll need to see in practice and but you know Porsche generally overpromises or underpromises over, over delivers so I'm, I'm not really too worried about the the charging performance i think it's like the Taycan's like one of the best ones out there really and so i expect the Macan will be similar very similar
0: i should i should point out on the Taycan introductory drive um, porsche is one of only two makers that scheduled a charging stop in their drive route everybody else is sort of no you get the car at 99 percent and bring it back at 30 but oh no you know and i know tom has taken side excursions on test drives specifically to go charge the car um, but uh porsche even at the very beginning was sort of nope take the tycon here We have staff there. We have, you know, things to eat while you wait, naturally, and charge the car.
2: And 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 that was impressive. It's funny. I've talked to Porsche about that specific thing and and how happy I was. And I've done other drives with with um, with Porsche, and that where they eliminated the the charging stop. And I asked them directly why that that's the best thing. And their response was the journalists don't want to do it. Yeah. They, they 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 want to spend their time driving the car and learning about the car. They don't want to stop and have to figure out how to use it and if it's in another country like it was on and I was on that drive that you're talking about that was the Copenhagen to um um oh god where in Germany uh drive the first drive right that you're talking about the one that they had the truck I was actually talking about the, the one on the Angeles Crest Highway. Oh okay no then yeah, yeah no different different yeah. different um So they did both of them. That's good. Yeah. And uh, uh, but I remember Calvin in particular, I talked to him about this a lot. And he said, he said, I, I can't get the journalists to want to stop and charge the cars. And it's such a part of the ownership experience. They should experience that and be able to re- report on it. And he's like, so we've like cut it out of some of the drives. And he's like, and, and he left. He goes, I know on any drive that I invite you on, I, I will make sure that there's a charging stop Tom, because even if it's just you, I'll have it all <laughs> plotted out and I'll have someone waiting at the charging station for you. And he's always done that. You know, I did one in the US and we we did we did it also. So um, I don't get why uh, a journalist wouldn't want to take an extra 20 minutes to to report on that. but that he, that's the feedback I got from from them. We don't want to do it. <laughs>
0: well, so I have an article half written, it's been half written for about 18 months now about how at this point, The automotive media is committing malpractice if they don't have their own charging station, if they have their own house, you know, if they live in an 18th floor apartment and don't have a parking space, you get a pass. But if like most of the Detroit based media, you are in your own house and you don't have a charging station in 2024, practically, you're not doing your job. And this disinterest in charging to me is emblematic of the automotive media still having to catch up.
2: Right. Absolutely. And John, and if organized. you if you have any friends in the media that don't have one and you give them a hard time about it and they say, I don't wanna spend the money, tell them you have a friend that will send them one for free. <laughs> yep. Oh. Oh, so so that's no excuse. Say, so I'll get you a, I'll call somebody and get you a charger. If, if you're, if you're going to complain about buying one, I'll, I'll provide it for free. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, and it's not even that <laughs>
0: it's they, some of them, I have one particular person in mind in the greater Detroit area who essentially said, this is a wonderful EV, but I could never own it because I plugged it in overnight and I got, you know, 18 extra miles or something. They had plugged it in to a 120 using the portable charging cable. Right. And when I had the discussion about, so actually, if you drive a modern battery electric vehicle with 200 to 300 miles of range, you probably have a level two station. And they're like, well, yeah, but I'd have to rewire. I'm not going to do that. So it is, I think, emblematic of how a lot of the public still looks at this today.
2: A question
0: that we have to deal with. But I foolishly expected much of the automotive media to be a little bit more on the cutting edge. They love the cars and the performance, but the rest of the ecosystem is still a very weak point.
2: Yeah. Well, John, we are with EVs. I, I know a lot of people and a lot of people here watching us here are electric vehicle enthusiasts. So it, it doesn't it, they don't feel like it's such a burden to maybe get it, uh, a unit installed. But think about for the general public the one thing about electric vehicles that I think is a, is a real pain point is we're forcing people to change their habits. It's not so much that it's it's electric, it's a different fuel. Mm. We, we have this habit of refueling our vehicles that maybe we don't like going to a gas station and paying the money, but it's easy and we understand it. We've been doing it our whole life. Now you get an EV and I'm asking you to change your habits. Mm. And even if it's sub- conscious, it, that bothers people, that in order to get this new thing, I have to alter the way I live, mm-hmm. and and I know it's not a big thing, but it is, you know, it's you've got to change your wiring in your house, every day when you get out of your car, you have to grab this plug and plug it in, now it's all real easy stuff, but I think subliminally, people are, are it's they're feeling anxious over their life has to change, and change I- is hard. I would, I would agree that the
0: perception of how it will change yeah. is definitely an anxiety point, which is why, and I think we've agreed, we've talked about this before, getting someone to live with an EV for a three-day weekend or a week, they suddenly get it. You know, it's not, it's not it'll take you 12 hours to charge. It'll take you five seconds to charge and five seconds to unplug. Um, and if you do it with your cell phone, this is exactly the same thing. And you can make those cases and people can understand it intellectually, but they have to have the experience, I think, of living with it in order to get it on a, on a core level. So it's a non-trivial problem. And I think thus far, I have not seen a lot of great stuff from the uh, existing automakers in that in that. Uh, that
2: area i'm looking no, at I agree. Your, uh, GM, sure. GM's trying with ev live though yeah they could do better but th- th- they're putting forth an effort john at least they're doing more than a lot of the other companies they're providing a a, a a a two-way live uh you know session where you can ask all your questions and and um and you know if you have any issues uh, about it and uh uh you know of course it could be improved and they can integrate it to dealerships better but um I, I i gotta give gm a little bit of credit for 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 making an effort to to tackle this charging uh the, to removing the mystery out of charging
1: right hey, so, so just to get back to the tycon and, 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 but and, and yeah. i say tycon uh but and, and charging i just want to mention too that the uh this will charge pretty normally at. 400 volt stations besides this, despite being like a higher voltage vehicle, 765 volts peak, uh, it will split itself in half, basically the volt, the pack will. So it'll give, it'll be like half of whatever voltage uh, it could be. So it'll, that's the problem with uh, 800 volt cars. Now, if you go to like a Tesla uh, magic dock or something, that's 400, it's a 400 volt system and you have an 800 volt car, it's, charges really slowly because, you know, it needs, the car needs to have like a booster on it, uh, to help with, uh, convert, I guess, convert the voltage. And it can only take in, I don't know. I don't know with cars are getting like 40 and 50 kilowatts charging, uh, power. So it makes my it understanding though,
0: is that the NAC standard, when they start having what's effectively version four of superchargers out there, right. that it switches from, High amp, low volt to high volt, low amp, Um, right. And that allows 800 volt cars to charge properly,
1: right? Because I believe the Cybertruck is 800 volts too, right?
0: Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I think I've heard that, but
1: I'm pretty sure. Um, But yeah, right now I think the version four is so the version four superchargers being installed now, but they're not. Set up with the. Uh, I think they're using the version three cabinet still, but they're not giving it the full thousand volts yet. Mm-hmm. But we expect that to happen, right? It's yeah. going to be. I'm not sure what the final output number is going to be, but I expect to see. I don't. Seven hundred fifty kilowatts. Does that sound like too much, Tom?
2: Uh, d- I actually was dumb. Uh, I was looking up something on the side. I wasn't listening to your last sentence. I'm sorry. It happens to me all the time, actually. <laughs> what, what, what are you talking about? Charging at 700? Uh, yeah. Um, the, the new Tesla
0: what? standard. Um, oh. I've seen a lot of sloppy reporting because there seems to be this assumption that, okay, everybody's going to get the Tesla connector and everything will be copacetic. And it's actually a new version of the tesla charging system v4 i think of it just because we've gone through V's one two and three
1: right but
0: it has different electrical characteristics and i think the plug and socket are slightly different although i can't tell you how you might know more since you've tested that charger Tom. no um
2: you the- which charger are we talking about? The one I just tested now? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. If that has a NACS connector as opposed to the existing yeah. Tesla connector, my understanding was that yeah. it's slightly different.
2: Well, um, the the physical connector, I haven't opened it up, is exactly okay. the same. Okay. The, the physical connector is no different uh, than, than the physical connector I have on my Tesla wall connector. But, yes, what you're saying is, yes, There, uh, and I don't – and I don't know. I don't want to say something. I have some thoughts on it, but I, I don't want to say it without and, and then be wrong. I think it's it's more um, it's going to be more software than than actual physical hardware difference. Cool. But um, let, let's wait till it um, it, it we, we we understand. That's one of the problems with Tesla. You get so it's so impossible. It's not impossible. It's extremely difficult. To, to get in touch with the, somebody at the company and say look can you explain this to me mm-hmm. now the I'll, I will qualify that with saying lately in the last month or two I've actually made some headway with that and yeah. have people yeah. in their charging in their charging department that have been open to discussing things with me mm-hmm. um, and uh, which I which is like incredibly enlightening and I've actually sent some questions recently about what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I did get a response of, OK, let me let me look into this and, and we'll get back to you. So for the first time in like eight years, I could actually I have a contact. I have the department at Tesla that will talk to me. Wow. And um, and I'm very thankful for that. I just wish Fair it enough. was it, it worked a little bit more like it does for the other companies where, John, you could just shoot an email over to PR and say, hey, could you explain this to me? Because people want to know it so yeah. i'll you know and uh but we just we can't do that with tesla it's, it's so frustrating
0: i i have not sent anything to press at tesla of late but my understanding is they no longer auto respond with a poop emoji that's
1: yeah. nice yeah i was, <laughs> was going to mention that yeah that's used to be the standard response. Yeah, the, poop, yeah, that's, emoji. That's that's just- Classy.
2: It's mind-boggling. Uh, perhaps back to
1: the Macan. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So one, once th- Before we move on to the last little interesting thing about the battery in this Macan EV, Ooh. that I've never seen any other car do. Maybe they do. I've never seen anything like this. It uh, has a self-discharge function. So if you if you leave it at a high state of charge for more than ninety hours, that's three days and eighteen hours, it will eventually bring itself down to fifty percent and then stop so it'll i don't know if it bleeds it off as heat or whatever but it it will protect your battery longevity by you know batteries like to be at you know 50% or or less you know not super low but 30 30, 30 25 30 to 50% is a great place to have it for long long periods so, so the mechan does this like automatically after so if you have a if you leave your car at the airport you can expect it to uh and if you leave it at a high state of charge, you you can expect it not to be like that. If you're more than four days uh,
2: away, that's from, crazy. Explain that to me again. It, it, more than so four fair. days, and it it'll automatically bleed itself down to fifty percent.
1: Yes, I, it's kind of a weird thing. I don't know if there's. You would think there should be like a manual override on to keep it from doing that, because mm-hmm. uh, some situations, like you know, if you're at an airport and you know you don't have a you don't have a charging situation. You know for your just for your ride home or if you need yeah, sometimes you need to have all that charge in the battery for a period of time i don't know well it's
0: airports are a particular case i think about the longer term storage where someone may have a car in a summer house or a winter house and they just leave it there for three or four months and in that case it is definitely bad for the battery to store it fully charged people tend not to know this Um, they don't read their owner's manuals. So, um, you know, but there is a reason for this. I anticipate that there will be a lot of owners who do not understand it, are not aware of it, are not told about it, and will come back to a car with less charge than they expected. I think the question would be, what's the car's draw in parked state or in suspended animation if you like because teslas are known to pull a fair amount of power out of the battery just waiting monitoring the car and so forth so you know if i leave my macon ev for five months how much does it use up just pinging the servers every now and then or whatever it may do
1: right someone's saying they don't think how it said 50 percent, but i looked at the little chart there there's a little chart he had up on i'm searching for it now a battery pack. Yeah, there it is. So that's the battery comfort zone. So this is a 50 percent mark. So it'll, you know, condition your requirement. And depending on somebody sets said, said up the temperature as well, so I'm not sure if there's a temperature component to this as well. But anyway, it's something that I don't think we've seen before. And it's kind of it's pretty curious. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so just moving on real quick. Uh, Makan has uh, permanent magnet motors, front and rear, with no disconnect. Uh, the rear motors are the rear motors are slightly or size slightly differently according to the trim. With the turbo getting a longer stator and a larger diameter in the motor in the rear, so that should be good for 603 horsepower and 700 and some foot pounds, 733 foot pounds of torque. Okay trying to set this up for you all.
0: It's and like, no two-speed uh, differential right. in
1: the rear, right? Right. Yeah, there's no two-speed gearbox in this one like the Taycan has. Though. Right. It's all a single. So we don't know if that's going to affect the top end or not, but I guess we'll find out pretty soon. Um, so the mecon EV has a double wishbone suspension up front, multi-link axle in the rear. In the U.S., we should see only rear, uh, rear air suspensions. Excuse me. So only air suspension in the U.S., but other markets will have a coil spring available set up. And then there's an optional upgrade to both of those suspensions called the Porsche Active Suspension Management. Um, And that that has a two valve shock involved. And it's just supposed to uh, give you just a little better experience, I guess, in driving experience. Probably you feel you, something you'd notice on a track, maybe you wouldn't notice in everyday driving. So it has a locking differential on the rear, which is part of the torque vectoring system. And it probably helps with the off road travel as well. I believe they took these off road. Uh, this little demonstration did some water fording so we can, you know, take, I'm not sure if it can go d- as deep as the I-PACE, but uh, it can handle some water. Uh,
0: For those nine owners who actually ever take it off road.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah, this is right. So it has a standard rear wheel steering too on the turbo trim. I imagine that will be an option on on the, uh, on the four as well, but we'll have to see, I guess. So as you can see in the video, the Macan EV has no problem like rotating on, on track. And I believe they said the TCS can be completely turned off, which is, you know, struck me as a little different from the normal as well because you know usually you can turn off tcs the switch but if you're driving you, you still kind of feel there's some some the sort car of in-
0: stepping yeah. in yeah.
1: right uh, and i
0: um i presume i i have to confess i was not able to watch the entire hour plus oh, video yeah that's um, fine kyle has a very informative video here uh yeah but um I assume Porsche has stuck with It's we don't do one pedal driving. You want to slow down. You want to regen. You use the brake pedal.
1: Yes, that's very true. They have done that. Um, and yeah, it kind of is what it is. I'm a big fan of one pedal driving yeah. and I, I think they should have the option, but you know, if it, you know, maybe default to the way they, they do it, but it would, would be nice to have the option, but I guess, you know,
2: I don't see them changing that anytime I mean, soon. Everyone I've talked to at the company was like, or worse. Know, "Yeah, that's yeah, that's not happening."
1: They seem to think that's part of their their you know their company's
2: driving experience. That's right. Yeah. All right. So I'm not really but sure. But still, what else. over ninety percent of the braking gets done with regenerative braking. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, just, yeah it's just, just blended in just, with just the ceramics the... really well. Yeah. And, yeah. and and or, I will
0: yeah. give them credit; it is superbly blended. Where I could. I didn't feel a single point where they blended in friction brakes and regen, and I knew it was happening. So very good blending.
1: All right. And I'm not really sure except what else to say about it. Um, we could check out the interior. There's like one interior shot, if I can find it here. It is. There it is. And oh, but I'm sharing this other one. OK. Miss, we're missing, Martin. Hope you're having a good day, Martin. A, hey, this, this one. All right. So, yeah, that's the interior. It looks like a great place to uh, spend some time. Very Porsche. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I don't know if any So I'm not sure if there's much more to say about uh, Porsche Macan right now. I mean, really looking, looking forward to experiencing it myself at some point. That would be super. But, yeah it is
0: it is worth saying i think that um the tycon as i understand it has been somewhat more successful in sales globally than porsche expected or perhaps feared because it is a very very good performance sedan it's probably not most of the buyers only vehicle so the low range on the initial models wasn't that big of a deal, but it's really lovely to drive, which is what people buy Porsches for. And I think the success of the Taycan has encouraged them in their transition to electric cars. I think they've said after 2030, only the 911 will retain a combustion engine. So it's going to be a very interesting six years um, for that brand as it transitions pretty much everything. I think the next one after this for Porsche, is going to be um, an electric Boxster. 718, right? Boxster and then Ka- Cayman.
1: Right. Well, they have something. Actually, I believe they're going to do a three row instead of a, like a Cayman. So it's going to be slightly larger, I believe, than, than the Cayman and hmm. like a really top top spec.
0: So, well, so a replacement for the K-N? uh
1: For the, I, I guess so eventually. Bigger SUV anything- or... Uh, yeah, bigger, slightly bigger SUV than the Cayenne, and uh, uh, yeah, and I, I'm not sure how long they're going to have the Cayenne around. I mean, it sells like 90, yeah. 95,000 units last year, so <laughs> I, I imagine they want to keep making money. But I mean, the Cayenne is like the the model that sort of uh, saved. Not I don't know if saved Porsche, but it definitely exploded their their revenues. <laughs> it allowed Porsche
0: to go into the luxury end of some markets that simply weren't buying low-slung sports cars, like China. Um, And that really opened it up and made it a global brand. Um, I think, you know, Porsche says, as do many makers, the transition will happen at different rates in different markets. And there are markets where for a whole variety of reasons, combustion engines will survive much longer and into the 2030s. You know, I I have to keep saying gently that this transition will will extend beyond my lifetime. And we have one point two to one point five billion vehicles on the planet to transition the bulk of them to electric is a decades long process. Even if every new car sold in X, Y, Z region is going to be zero emission by 2030 or 2035 or whatever the number is.
1: Right. All right. See if we can get this thing to cooperate with us. Um, is that coming up like it's supposed to? Are we seeing? No, it's a black not screen. Not working. Huh. Yeah, I'm not sure what's up with that. Uh, okay, I'll find another way of doing it. I'm trying to trying to show you the new Cadillac. So yesterday was that, I believe was it just yesterday? I don't know. Yesterday time. morning. Wow. So with zero fanfare, Cadillac introduced yesterday the Vistic uh to the world it's a a short press release follow appeared on the site with two photos basically all we all we know is it's it's a three-row suv that will sit between the lyric and the escalade iq john there's not really a whole lot to go on here um we're supposed to get all the details i guess somewhere sometime next year but judging by what you see or what what we'll see in a moment when i get up on the screen (laughs) Uh, and what we know about Cadillac or what you know about Cadillac, what do you think its chances are in a world with the likes of a Ruby and R1S and the Lucid Gravity, Volvo EX90, even the Kia EV9, which can be specced higher than Cadillac's base price on this?
0: Mm. Well, I think the challenge for Cadillac right now is GM's production problems with Ultium. I said earlier on in the show, we'll see what the Q4 numbers are. GM was supposed to be selling tens of thousands a month of EVs by the end of this year. Um and they are clearly not doing it. Yep, there's the uh there's the Vistic, one of two photos. Uh, right. Beautifully yeah. composed in Photoshop or whatever you use these days. Um but the the challenge really Cadillac has said it will be all electric by 2030. It is GM's luxury brand and to be fair, the new electric Cadillac show where Cadillac has been focusing some of their most recent round of combustion engine vehicles are just not that impressive. Um, but, you know, the sedans are wonderful performance sedans, but nobody goes to Cadillac to buy a BMW substitute. And I think they've figured that out. So um, the new electric Cadillacs are going to hit all of the segments that their gasoline vehicles hit now. We do have the Lyric out there as a two row mid sized SUV. This will be a larger midsize SUV, similar to their current XT6 with three rows. But we've also seen the Escalade IQ, which is the equivalent of the big honking body on frame um, current Escalade. And that's built on a Silverado EV slash Hummer EV uh, platform, which means it's gigantic, really, really heavy and Mm -hmm. has a ton of room inside um so cadillac will have entries in all of these points there's the other one below the lyric whose name i'm forgetting at this moment that's essentially about the size uh, of blazer ev what's it called? optic optic thank you yeah. yes all of them ending in Q. um
1: right. optic
0: yeah but here's the problem cadillac has now announced five electric vehicles mm-hmm. the celestic they're three hundred thousand dollar ultra luxury sedan, right. which is quite frankly aimed as much at China as it is at us. Sure. Um, the Escalade IQ moving down the range. Now mm-hmm. the Vistic, Lyric's in production, and then they have the Optic, right? That's five cars. Only one of them is in production. And so far, the sales numbers have been very, very low. Sure. I guess I question at what point throwing pictures out there of a car that won't be available for 18 months um, especially if it's number five and numbers two, three, and four still aren't on the market. At what point this becomes just sort of noise level and reinforces the cynicism about GM's attempts to put EVs out in high volume. So waiting for Q4 sales. And I look forward to driving some of these. The Lyric was interesting to drive. Have you driven a Lyric,
2: Tom? Yeah. yeah. What did I've, you I've, think on, of it? On multiple occasions. Yeah. Um, well, I liked how... Uh, uh, quiet, the cabin was. I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a uh, a pleasant, uh, a, a a pleasant environment for a long road trip. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, it um definitely focused more, I thought, on um, on comfort and ride than let's say um, the the sporty driving characteristics. It mm-hmm. felt a little sloppy to me. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I wasn't driving it that way. I was driving it like I thought most Cadillac owners would drive it. Um, I did a bunch of range tests that did very well with the range tests. Um, I just thought yeah. the uh, overall quality of materials they used um, should have been upped a little bit for a Cadillac. It, 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 it almost looked great, but then when you sat down and started touching and playing with everything, uh, it yeah. felt like it was a little, uh, a, a step lower than the quality I would expect for a Cadillac. Um, mm. But it was, you know, th- th- they are they were trying to keep the price down on on, on that model at least, I would hope that the Escalade um, and this uh, the Optic are going to um, have a little bit better premium fit and finish. But driving-wise, I thought it was a comfortable, quiet um, environment that I enjoyed driving it. Mm. What struck me was that it didn't particularly say electric
0: vehicle. A lot of the vehicles out there, certainly Teslas, but some of the other ones give you varieties of that rapid off the line acceleration yeah. that electric motors can provide what struck me about the lyric was it was, seemed almost throttled down to mm-hmm. mimic the acceleration of a gasoline vehicle but much quieter smoother yeah. and without the shifting steps that the gasoline vehicle will provide.
2: So I, I wouldn't disagree with that, um, and perhaps that helped the range. That it's you're not yeah. it's not it's not giving so much. And uh, you know, we talk a lot about how fast electric vehicles are, and I know we all love that. You know, that instant torque when we step on it. But every vehicle doesn't have to go zero to sixty in five seconds. And uh, I, you know, it just seems like that's everybody. The first thing everybody looks at when a new vehicle gets introduced is a zero to sixty, and they're like, oh, yeah. like that's you know. Zero to sixty in 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 uh, you know five point eight seconds is terrible for the for, for, <laughs> for the, and you know, the way most people drive cars, you know anything under eight seconds is more than enough to like accelerate onto highways and pass people and everything. Uh, do, wh- what do you think about that, John? Um, the more SUVs we have, the the
0: truckier America gets, the worse people get at at merging onto highways i one of my pet peeves is the people who because they're in a tall suv they love to be able to see out creep around the entrance ramp at 34 miles an hour to enter a highway that's going at 78 miles an hour um you know and ev acceleration there i think helps because once they get to the end of the damn entrance ramp they're like oh my god
1: right and (laughs) then
0: they can punch it and get out there um whereas I and my Subaru have to accelerate more behind them. But um, I think there's a subconscious thing with EVs where everybody loves knowing that they can get ahead of the guy next to them at the stoplight, even if they don't do it. Um, You know, I think it's one of the subtle advantages of EVs that, again, once people spend time with them, they realize that smooth, quiet, stepless acceleration is a plus. It's there if they need it or want it. Um, you know, I've described certain EVs as having the kick you in the kidneys acceleration, floor it, and just your entire seat throws you into the future. The lyric to me was the opposite of that. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. It was very
0: modeled on, I think how a gasoline vehicle would do it, but smoother, quieter, and stuffless. Um, I just, you know, why announce the VISTIC now yeah, I don't it's, know, it's really a weird, model yeah. year 2026, which means at best, at best, it will be on the market 13 months from now, but maybe more like 18.
1: Why are you doing this? Yeah, it's a good question
2: uh and I they feel I, like they have to do or say something because the, the whole program seems to be stalled with the fact that they can't get ultium battery packs produced yeah. uh, you know well, it's kind of like a filler
0: <laughs> gm has desperately wanted to get some of that ev modern high tech um cred with the street but as as uh, a colleague pointed out their stock price in 2014 when Ms. Barra took the helm was in the mid thirties and today their stock price is in the low thirties. And um, that's a tough place because money's not cheap anymore. They're spending a great deal of money to build three, four battery plants. Um, You know, someone made the case to me three years from now, if in fact they are selling hundreds of thousands, of EVs every quarter. We will have forgotten this. And by the way, Tesla wasn't really good at meeting des- deadlines either. Sure, All of which is fair. But I think the, all you know, whether fairly or not, I think the way people look at GM and its efforts, especially given their history of EV development since 1996, for heaven's sakes, is different than the way people look at Tesla.
1: Yeah. Plus, we expect you know a, a company that's been around for such a long time to be able to you know start new programs and uh, adopt new technologies. You know, just you know be in there, doing the thing rather than. But instead, so we've seen we've seen the uh, you know the legacy automakers be eclipsed in some in some areas at least by by these automotive startups like you know Lucid. Maybe not super successful financially yet, but their like tech is like years right. ahead of of what other automakers legacy automakers are doing and yeah. It's just yeah
0: I'm, I'm a huge lucid fan i love the cars i consider okay. a lucid air a superb way to knock out 800 miles in a day presuming the charging station works right um and uh i just spent a little no i spent three hours with their uh, gravity suv which is on the inside yeah oh um It's it has a very clever design. Um, They have pulled every trick in the book to make it look like an SUV, whereas, in fact, it has I'm going to use a word that will make everybody cringe. It has close to minivan room inside. Doesn't have sliding doors, God forbid. Right. But it has a much more vertical tail than you would expect from looking at its shape. Um, and it has a genuinely usable third row. Uh, right, right. Which is impressive for a vehicle that sits on a, a, r- roughly a mid-size footprint. Um, I hope they get it into production. I know they would love to have it quicker than a year from now um, or a year from this fall, I guess. Right. Uh, but they, they too are, I think, trying to under promise and over deliver uh, right they did get I, a new,
1: they ahead. did get a new CEO recently so I'm, I'm hoping that you know bolstering of, of their upper ranks the management helps get them uh, can, mm. you know get everything sorted for the, so they get uh, some follow-through and some some delivery happening here because yeah they've been disappointing in a lot of respects
0: mm. well they do at least have deep pockets um, <clears throat> courtesy of Someone that journalists know is Prince Bonesaw, right. but we'll leave that there. Um, and I hope that that company makes it. I think Rivian will make it. I'm actually in Southern California. I'm staggered at the number of battery electric delivery vans out here. Oh, nice. Uh, not just Amazon, but FedEx and UPS, not the postal service. Okay. Um Are you seen and- the uh, bright drop vehicles being used? Um, I have not seen bright okay. drops. Um, okay. it, they seem to be Rivians, but I wasn't able to get up close. You just sort of see them in traffic. And right. of course, they have giant three foot high logos that say electric vehicle, no emissions. Right. Um, but and, and I think the drivers like them, too, because they are not the slowest thing away from the stoplight to revert back to our <laughs> uh, previous discussion.
1: Right. Uh, So we just kind of, we don't have too much time left. We have to cut it a little short today. So we need to talk about this uh, Tesla situation. Uh, So this week, every Tesla ever sold in the U.S. is the subject of a digital recall. So that's a a recall. I'm calling it that because it's a recall that doesn't require a service visit, but is fixed via an over-the-air update. But it's still, you know, a recall. I think it's something, an issue that needs to be tracked, officially tracked and uh, addressed Uh, So according to the NHTSA site, the issue is in circum circumstances when auto steer is engaged, the prominence and scope of the features controls may not be sufficient to prevent driver misuse of the SAE Level 2 Advanced Driver Assistance feature. So autopilot is a, they call it, refer to it as an advanced driver assistance feature. So I have a Model 3, uh, so it's affected by this recall. And I wasn't really sure what aspect of autopilot needed improving uh, when I, I saw the news and I just, you know, trying to figure it out on my own without doing a whole lot of crawling th- through uh, this, the internet. But it seemed to me that the eye monitoring by the camera it was a weak link in my car. So I I'm, I had to, uh, this is a funny, I had, I had to take some cat pee to the vet so uh, I had an errand to run. I know. TMI. <laughs> right? That's the first
0: time I've heard that during an interview. Carry <laughs> <Yeah>. on.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, same. And uh, anyway, so I had to run this errand. So it was an opportunity to try out my uh, see how functional like the camera monitoring is in, in my car. It's a 2018 Rural drive uh, Tesla Model Three Long Range. So. Yeah, I made the little trip. I shut off FSD beta and activated the autopilot. So auto steer was happening. So when no cars were coming, I, I covered my eyes with my hand. Uh, so the camera couldn't see them. Uh, nothing happened. So it's kind of disconcerting. So I covered up you know, the the, uh, the whole actual camera as well. And just hit that. It's like my video there. I should be jumping in the car any moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're looking at the screen, turning off, autopilot. Yeah, and then just going down the road. And it did push the update. Uh, so I didn't get the update yet myself. Oh, I'm okay. So waiting, there's a, There's supposed to be, so there's a, a holiday update coming uh, with uh, for Teslas with uh, some actually some interesting new features that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. We'll see if they're actually rolled out like we expect before we go on too much about them. But in that package, software package is supposed to also give us a bit of an update. Uh, so Tesla says the update will include enhanced controls and alerts to ensure drivers maintain continuous driving responsibility. Um, visual alerts on the screen will be more prominent. Uh, these new improved improved alerts can be seen uh they say in the photo above uh, moving. So autopilot alert is gonna move from near the bottom of the screen to the top. So that should help. Uh, Cars will get a single pull auto steer option. So right now auto steer can be engaged by pressing twice uh, down on the lever, uh, but there will be an option rolled out so you can do it with just a single pull. Right now, a single pole, it gives you cruise control, which, you know, I I like the way it works now. So I'm not really sure how that improves things, but that's what they're doing. Additional checks during auto steer engagement are going to happen as well, especially during driving outside of controlled access highways and approaching traffic controls. So like traffic lights, Uh, but that Mm -hmm. all remains to be confirmed whether it's going to maybe because it could be that it might not let you even activate autopilot in some on some roads
0: this is really the concern when you look at the universe of advanced driver assistance programs and i stress driver assistance mm-hmm. um most of them and the ones that are more advanced than tesla which are the the hands-off programs which are most notably gm Super Cruise, um those are only active on uh, very finely mapped limited access highways you know no cross streets with stoplights, exit and entrance ramps and so forth there's a you know essentially interstates if you want to boil it right down and one of the concerns i think over the tesla autopilot system has been that people are using it in places that it was not necessarily designed for including sets of circumstances, cross traffic or angled streets or all the rest, that it may not respond as adeptly to. And that's really what this NHTSA update is about. I expect there will be more as they dig uh, more strongly into Tesla and its records. Tesla is on record as saying it disagrees with NHTSA's findings but it's going to push this update. One of the interesting things that I saw is that, in fact, um, if people continue to try to use autopilot in areas it's not designed for, apparently Tesla will switch off autopilot for a while to underscore the point that it's not just for use everywhere.
1: Right. But it's uh, it's a uh, it only suspends it temporarily. So after a few mm-hmm. days, I believe, if you get so many strikes, if you like. Let uh, if you don't. So if you're driving along and it tells you to put uh, torque pressure or put pressure on the steering wheel to you Mm -hmm. know let the car know you're still driving and paying attention. If you don't do that, it'll you know make noise and then turn itself off and then you won't be able to access the remainder of the trip. But then that gives you a strike as well. So after I believe it's four or five strikes. Uh, it takes away that feature for, but just for a few days. So mm-hmm. it's it's not like a hugely um, not prohibited. What's what I want? It's not hugely punishing. Is what I'm punitive? Thinking of. Yeah, punitive. That's the word. Yes. Um,
0: I, but I think it's to underscore this point that it is not a hands off system. Tesla, both with autopilot and with so called full self driving, those are not hands off systems. You still have to have your hands on the wheel for both of them. Mm -hmm. I think that is a point that was not necessarily clear earlier on and that Tesla is now having to sort of retrofit to make sure owners understand, whereas there are other makers who have legitimate hands off systems.
1: Yeah. Well the early days of autopilot were like a wild west man. People would, you know, were getting in their back seats and doing all kinds of crazy uh-huh. stuff because they possibly could. And so that's become more and more restricted over time and I think we're just going to see more of that until and until uh, and if if they actually can deliver actual legitimate full self-driving and not just like the name of a feature that doesn't right. do that. <laughs>
0: anyway, uh, there, there is a dispute in the automotive world about the sensor suites that you need to be able to deliver in Tesla terms, full self-driving, or I just think of it as hands-off automated cruise control. Um, so uh, we'll see how it comes out. But Tesla has a history of promising some things it doesn't deliver, and they've certainly made a very good business out of charging a great deal of money for full self-driving, which has not yet delivered on the promise that most people would understand full self-driving to mean.
2: Right. Well, we're getting to the end of another. Um, by the end of this year, John, <laughs> when, when right. you know, when, when did that start? Was it 2016 or 2017? That was I think I think we'll we'll be there by the end of this year.
1: <laughs> We're gonna take a road I'm trip across the country with my sons. Yeah. I'm I still was waiting for my model three to earn me money
0: by acting as a robo taxi <laughs> while I'm not using it. Right. That was right. gonna be 2019, but yeah. um yeah. you asked me at the very beginning what I was doing out here in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um I as as you guys know, I have this side gig called tempting fate tours. Right. Um Find us on YouTube, Um, although we're about a year behind, so you can see our first adventure. But um, I will simply say that we discovered, extracted, and made run a uh, 1955 woody wagon that had been sitting in the same garage in West L.A. since 1968 um it i have a picture of the black and gold plate with 1967 and 1968 stickers on it um it literally had not moved since then and as of wednesday we got it running um and those those videos will be up at some point i i know better than to promise a date because we have a previous adventure that's still in production um, okay. Which is another reason I'm so envious of Kyle because he cranks out damn videos in about three hours. Right. But um, that's, that's no why editing,
2: I'm not. nothing, just, just runs right through them. <laughs> oh. it's, yeah. it's good on him. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah that's great. Uh, I like that your Tempting Fate, uh, what, was it, what was the full name again? Tempting, tempting, tempting Fate
2: Tours. YouTube.com
0: slash Tempting Fate Tours. tours. So fate tours. <laughs> it's basically, it's Stupid road trips in unreliable cars. Many of them British.
2: Right. Awesome. So. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that. And Don, uh, listen, I, I know you have... you have a few more news topics that you want no, to, to. pretty go. much yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. have to take off today. I have a hard, hard stop. Perfect. Right.
1: Yeah. So we have to. We have to kind of end it here, I guess. Um, so that brings us to the end of our show. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please leave them below or get in touch with us on the social media platform of your choice. Uh, Click subscribe and tap that bell icon for notifications. Don't forget, if you like the show, please give us a thumbs up. Thank you all very much again for joining us. Uh, We'll see you again very soon. And can I say it? And thanks again, John. Oh, Thank you for having me. me. Always a great pleasure
0: to talk to either or both of you.
1: All right. Uh, Ciao. See you next time.
0: See ya.